The company grew up primarily working in the country of Italy, but expanded into other European markets. We're now global. Uh, we have a presence in, I think it's 27 countries around the world. We work with mostly larger companies, as we talked about. We provide one of the less exciting things, but probably one of the most critical things a company needs, and that's enterprise planning software. And you know, if you think about the world today and just how many disruptions there are and how dynamic it's become, it's really critical that you have capabilities to be able to look into the future a little bit and plan accordingly. And so that's what we provide. And that's why we're able to work with some of the largest uh, logos in the world. In this episode, I'm talking to Mark Gamble, CMO of Board International, a business intelligence and corporate planning software for mid to large enterprises. They work with some of the largest companies in the world, like Coca-Cola, Ferrari, and Burberry. We're going to talk about number one, secrets on how to use owned events for brand building and sales enablement. And how much money do you have to spend to gather over 500 C-suites and decision makers in a single room? Number two, we're going to talk about Mark personal thoughts on the AI trend in 2023 and where 2024 will take us. And number three, we're going to try to figure out things like how much money the company raised, how much a company makes in revenue per year, and how much Mark makes as the CMO of Board International. And every time he can't answer a question, we both have to take shot hot sauce. Wish me luck, Martians. I hope you enjoy this one. Hello, 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 Martians. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today, we got the CMO of a company called Board.com. Uh, Board.com, basically, they're, they're, they're an enterprise planning software for mid to large enterprises. Some of their biggest clients include Coca-Cola, Ferrari, Burberry, just a few of the small companies that we can think of. Um, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, <clears throat> now, I know, I know you're, you're uh, based in the East Coast, uh, Florida. Are you, were you born and raised here? Or what, what, tell, tell us a little bit about your origins. Yeah, very briefly. I was born and raised in Maryland and um, actually went to undergrad in the state of Florida. And uh, so many years later, we bought a home uh, down here. We also have a, a home in Maine, uh, which is where my wife is from. So it was a little bit of a negotiation, you know, <laughs> one for her, one for me. So, yeah. And, and your last name, uh, back, back, is it, is it also, is it, uh, is it like European or, or just North, North American ancestry? No, I'm, I'm a very odd mix. My mother is a full-blooded Italian, uh, actually okay. Sicilian. Her last name, uh, maiden name was Interlandy. Uh, you know, Italian names always end with a vowel. So that's how you know they're legit. And my yeah. father actually was Scottish with a little English. So that's the origin of the name Gamble. It actually appears in the Book of the Dead in England in 1040 or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it must. Is it a pretty rare last name, Gamble? I, I don't really see that too, too often. Well, the way mine spelled it is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in the U.S., it tends to be G-A-M-B-L-E, but mine's B-I-L-L. -L. So, yeah, it's very, mm. very English, I guess you could say Scottish English. Yeah, yeah, no, I think I, I think that's where that's where it was kind of um, uh, mixing up uh, me a little bit because I do know a lot about names and I travel quite a bit. But, yeah, that's a pretty unique one. Um, all right. So before we dive into your background. Uh, we're going to dive into your background. 
<clears throat> we're going to talk a little bit about board.com. Of course, we'll talk about marketing because this is a marketing podcast. Before we do all of that, we connected a few weeks ago. Uh, I've kind of told you a little bit about uh, the show. We're going to start off the show with a shot of hot sauce. Um, and uh, as the show progresses, I want to ask all the tough questions about how your company grows in terms of marketing and just all the strategies that you put into place. I want to know all the secrets in marketing. And every time you cannot answer a question, we'll plead the fifth, skip the question, but we got to take a shot of hot sauce before we move on. So before we begin every, anything, you have, a, you have some hot sauce ready for us today. I do. I do. Um, my wife is a big Trader Joe's fan, and she got some habanero um, hot sauce. So I've never had nice. it before, but I, I pre-poured because I figured... Um, there was going to be something that I wasn't going to answer correctly <laughs> or, right. or choose not to answer. All right. Uh, while I'm doing this, I'm just, I just, I'm starting off with habanero. I'm going to pour, uh, before we pour, um, you are quite the hot sauce enthusiast. I am. I am. Uh, my dad, I blame because when he was, uh, when I was a wee lad, he, uh, he would always put hot sauce on everything and. You know, I don't know whether I tried it and liked it or just because I saw it all the time. I, I, I do it. My kids do it. So, yeah. yeah, I like hot sauce. Yeah, you and your daughter, you both like hot sauce, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I'm going to pour the first one. Get things up. Oh, my God. All right. I actually put it in a shot glass. So Okay. So this is going to be a big one, but uh, we'll start it off. Start the show off right. Cheers. Cheers. I'll do that. <laughs> oh. Are we allowed to take drinks? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh. That's really Ooh. hot hot sauce. It is. It is. So you're you're saying that's habanero? Yeah. Yeah, this is habanero as well. I have some Carolina Reaper. I don't know if I'm gonna want to touch that later, but we'll see. How it goes. All right. So before we start anything off, let's let's give a little bit of love to board.com. I mean, I've kind of given the one liner on what you guys do, but um, just from from your perspective, what is board.com? Like, what is your guys' business model? And tell us a little bit about uh, the company. Yeah. So and and I apologize. It, it's actually Board International, but uh, obviously we have a .com website um, uh, and Board International because it was actually formed by two Italians. We're based in Chiasso, Switzerland. Oh. The company grew up um, primarily working in the country of Italy, but expanded into other European markets. We're now global. Uh, we have a presence in, uh, I think it's 27 countries around the world. Wow. And uh, we work with mostly larger companies, as we talked about, uh, and we provide one of the less exciting things, but probably one of the most critical things a company needs, and that's enterprise planning software. And, you know, if you think about the world today and just how many disruptions there are uh, and how dynamic it's become, it's really critical that you have capabilities to be able to, you know, maybe look into the future a little bit and plan accordingly. And so that's what we provide. And that's why we're able to work with some of the largest uh, logos in the world. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, and just uh, briefly, before we dive deeper, 
just your your background itself is quite impressive. Um, if anyone uh, listening gets a, gets a chance to check out, uh, go check out Mark Gamble's uh, LinkedIn, uh, and and you'll see uh, you've spent uh, early early days. You worked at companies like um, Manpower, CDW, and then you uh, worked at, at Dell, Home Depot, VP of Marketing. And then you got a chance to spend about five years at MicroStrategies. And MicroStrategies, I know because I follow Bitcoin very, very uh, um, deeply. And MicroSailor has been a huge proponent of, of Bitcoin early days. But you spent five years there and then Celebrite. And then now you're at Board International for the last two years. Talk to us a little bit about your background and how you see your, your marketing career um, uh, in, in general. Yeah, you know, I'd like to say there was a rhyme and a reason to it, but um, I, I think I think early on you try to continually progress into uh, different types of roles and experiences, and I've been very fortunate in that um, I've been with some large companies, and that that gives you a really good basis of governance, process, discipline around how to do the science of marketing. <clears throat> but I've also been with companies that are in a very young stage. Uh, where you kind of are the cook, the cleaner, uh, the dishwasher, and the marketer. And, you know, all of those things, I think, uh, when you become experienced is when you've made your share of successes and mistakes along the way, so you know what to do and not to do. And, and uh, you know, just been very fortunate. I've had some great mentors and leaders in those different companies. You know, Michael Saylor is a brilliant guy. And he was always thinking, uh, literally one of those people that was thinking outside of the proverbial box. Uh, but some great great folks that I've known along the way that have helped me, uh, you know, progress my career. So having worked with large companies and smaller companies and kind of in different life cycles, uh, is there a certain life cycle part of the company that you feel like your strengths matches the best with and you feel the most excited about? Or, or is there certain industries that you that that you like to that you cater towards? Or how do you think about marketing and you know, I really enjoy enterprise software, which is where I've been probably for the last 10 years uh, or more, 13 years. Um, and I think that when you've had a chance to work for bigger companies, it's always kind of fun to go to a smaller company and uh, be able to offer, you know, the experiences that you've had and put those into play. Uh, the company that I was with prior to this helped them go public. And that was really gratifying. Um you know, and, and by virtue of having done that now, you understand some of the things to look out for. And uh, the company I'm with now, Board International, um, you know, the company's 25 years old, but it, it's very new in that it was governed like independent entities on a country by country basis previously, was purchased by private equity. Uh, they came in and they wanted to get all the things in place that you need to, the private equity companies typically do. So, in that type of situation, my background really lends itself well to be able to understand we need these types of skills to do these types of things to get us to the outcomes that the company's looking for. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, now that we're on the topic of uh, of the company, let's uh, let's go ahead. I have a couple of questions. Um, I have my hot sauce ready just in case uh, we can we can't answer any of these ones. But just for the listeners to get a sense of how large a company is. And, and the relative size. Um, can you give us any background uh, on um, maybe how much a company has raised in the past or recent valuation, biggest investors, things like that? 
Yeah, well, it's it's almost solely owned by uh, Nordic Capital, which which is the private equity company. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not at liberty to disclose the amount that they acquired uh, when they acquired them, uh, but it was substantial yeah. enough. We're constantly tracking the valuation. You know, I believe Goldman Sachs has done some market valuations for us along the way uh, for Nordic, and uh, the company recently uh, went over 100 million in ARR. Uh, so that was mm-hmm. a very positive event, uh, continuing to see really good uh, bookings growth around the world. Uh, so it's been a very exciting time the last couple of years. Yeah. All right, cool. <clears throat> it's exciting because now we're doing our first uh, we're doing our first uh, shot together aside from the intro. So this is also quite exciting. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know that I call it exciting, but uh, <laughs> I I think I'm going to have good vocals. I should sing after this. Yeah, we should. Um, cheers. Right. Cheers. It looks very um, looks very sunny over there. What's uh, what's the weather like? In, uh... Well, you know, it's Florida. So uh, it's actually, it is sunny, but it's 48 degrees. So 48 degrees. Yeah, it's it's cool, but it's it's a nice cool. It's not you know, wet, cold, cool. It's a nice sunny day. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was there. It's, uh, in Vancouver, it's, it's usually cold until, until like March. So, uh, still very gloomy here. <clears throat> All right. So owned by private equity, recent value at like a hundred, hundred million plus ARR. Is that the current, is that as of 2023? Uh, well, actually 2023. Yes. Well over a hundred million in ARR. Yes. <clears throat> Um, I've seen online figures ranging between 150 to 175 million. Where, where do we stand? On, in terms on, of market valuation? Uh, in terms of revenue. Uh, or revenue. ARR. revenue. Um, well, you know, we're in the middle of the fourth quarter, so we'll see how the quarter closes out. But, uh, you know, we have good, strong momentum going into, uh, into the new year and, um, uh, like I said, we're north of 100 million, and we're just a little south of 150 million still. Okay, okay. So, so there is a range. There's a range, and I don't hear Sophie screaming at me to take a shot. So I think I that was think good enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is good enough. That was, that was a good enough range, and it's definitely within the range of what I've seen online. So um, I think we we, we passed there. Um, now, in terms of in terms of um, marketing, let's talk about marketing. Right, uh, you guys do ent- enterprise uh, software, so you're working with large, mid to large companies. Sales cycles are long. <clears throat> 2023, no surprise. What's a tough year? Um, interest rates have increased a lot. Increased a lot. VC money kind of dried up, and so m- money, you know, wallets are not opening as easy. What 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 did you see? Like what 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 did you see worked really well in terms of continuing to grow a board in, international? What kind of marketing strategies worked in 2023 and which didn't? And uh and and f- when you're looking towards 2024 and planning, is does it look the same or any any changes there? Yeah, you know there there are some um, truisms in marketing and I think and in life, and um, I think they got exacerbated after COVID, and that's people need engagement. And so things that went out of mm-hmm. vogue for a couple of years uh, came back 
with a vengeance. So uh, we do something called Board Beyond, which is our own our own events where we'll have them in each country. We'll invite customers, analysts, prospects, and partners. Just take them through, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's coming in the product roadmap. We'll have some customers talk about how they utilize our, our, our platform and our software. Uh, so those were very popular and those have been proven to be very effective in terms of lead gen, both for existing customers as well as prospects. Um, mm. Certain third party events, for example, uh, we work with Gartner and a number of their magic quadrants. And, you know, by virtue of us doing well with that, their analysis of our capabilities, that also uh, lends itself really well to uh, lead generation. Uh, and we participate in some of their, their larger global events as well, uh, particularly in the area of finance and supply chain. But, you know, for us, it's really a mixture. Uh, we, we utilize advanced nurture programs. Uh, we, we partner with um, other companies to do webinars. And, and I think people got a little webinar fatigue. So you have to pick and choose your spots. Mm. And it's not so much about thought leadership right now. It's more about functionality. So tell me how stuff works. Tell me how that's going to help me. Um, you know, your website is still critical, but it has to be a different experience. And, and I think lastly, uh, an effective use of video. You know, we're, we're a society now that is used to video, but it's more vignettes. It's not long form. Uh, so we try to give um, snippets. We, we view videos almost as like a TV or a movie production quality. We try to make them really powerful and impactful and tell a story, you know, so Again, a brand isn't built with one big ad uh, and neither is a company. So what we try to do is understand how our target personas consume content uh, in what way and what type and really just build out um, activities and tactics that drive toward those those types of outcomes. Who, who are your target personas? Uh, I assume you have multiple. Yeah. Uh, so, so really we've got three groups, right? We have the user, we have the influencer and we have the decision maker and, and they're all different. So um, we obviously do things to keep our users engaged. We have a community, um, you know, the board community. Uh, we have customer councils that we've set up uh, for a lot of the influencers and for the decision makers, we try to do more intimate things. You know, we try to uh, bring them into dinners where there are outside speakers uh, talking about what's really coming down um, uh, the pike in terms of future considerations. Um, so it's really a, a variety and a mix. But when you look at the type of personas that we target, CFOs, senior directors, uh, leaders of supply chain, uh, merchandise planning, it can be a host of different things, HR, sales performance management. So typically the leader, sometimes the C-suite, but more often the senior vice president, in those groups are our target personas. Interesting. So, so it sounds like if I were to summarize for the decision makers, you do more, you're focused more on these uh, events and these, these kind of private um, <clears throat> more, more so even private events. And then you also have users and influencers where you use a variety of webinars, video content, nurture programs, and also third party events. So it's like different types of marketing channels to target different personas. <clears throat> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, your 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 marketing budget, <clears throat> do, do you put like a <clears throat> sorry? <clears throat> do you do you put a certain percentage towards 
um, certain uh, personas? Like, is it 30, 30, 30? Or do you put more money towards decision makers, for example? Do you have like a breakdown of where you spend your money? Yeah, we do. It's actually, it's pretty, uh, pretty detailed and, and, uh, uh, and in depth. So we go on a country by country basis. We look at our mix of business, the addressable market, um, and then what logos we have and what, what we're trying to do with existing customers, whether upsell or cross sell. So based upon all those variables is going to determine the mix, right? So, and then you, you put that or juxtapose that against the classic top of the funnel to bottom of the funnel, uh, kind of marketing tactics. So it's not an easy one answer. It's actually based, it's based on the country and what kind of business mix we have in each of those and what we're trying to get to. Mm. Um, <clears throat> let's use uh, North America, for example, because that's where we're, we're based. Um, is What does it look like there? Like who, who, wh where are you putting your, your money right now? Yeah, so, and, and North America is a great example to use because it's a target market for us. It's also still a relatively new market for Board because Board is a European-based company. Right. Uh, so we're still trying to build up our customer base. You know, we have, uh, you know, a certain amount of customers here. Um, and we're trying to make sure that uh, we're solid with them. Uh, but, but in this type of situation, we're doing a lot more top-of-the-funnel type of things. So the brand awareness is lower in North America than it is in you go to Italy or you go to France or you go to the U.K., uh, so you're typically, you'll see a lot more things that are more generalized one to many, uh, that we're doing. Um, okay. fortunately for us, some of these Gardner events are based in the U S for example, the CFO conference that they have is based in the, uh, greater New Jersey area. Uh, at least it was this in 2023. And, um, so that has given us an ability to be able to, um, again, raise awareness of who we are. We try to do extra things at the event. So for example, um, some ideas we're kicking around this year, you know, do, hosting a top golf getaway at one of the events or uh, nice. hosting a cocktail reception, just something that's outside the norm of the event that raises the awareness of who board is and gets you away from the 8 million logos that are at the event itself. Um, so yeah, so in North America, uh, the majority of our business is still in the finance area, the office of finance. Uh, so obviously those are key targets for us. Uh, but we have great opportunity in retail, in uh, manufacturing, uh, and even uh, CPG. So those are kind of our target areas uh, for us in, in North America in 2024. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of uh, budget breakdown, at least in North America, is it fair to say that more than 50% goes towards kind of all the, the webinars and the videos and the branding side and only like, you know, less than 50% will go towards these events because they're more targeted. Yeah, no, events will never equal 50% uh, of our activity. So one of the ways that we can grow is we have a direct and indirect sales force. So we work with partners and system integrators as well. And that's very important in the U.S. And so we've got a number of mm -hmm. key partners. Uh, we'll do things in conjunction with them, make investments with them. Uh, the third party events are kind of fixed costs, you know, as part of the budget. Uh, yeah. But North America represents our largest investment in terms of our marketing dollars, uh, again, because the opportunity is the greatest for us there. Uh, and we also need to, as I said, just create additional awareness. So when we talk about building our brand, we're going to be very surgical about it. You know, we're going to build our brand with the people we're trying to reach, not just mm. 
be on New York Times, uh, you know, exactly. the, the Times Square, the, the corner there. Although it's cool. It's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. And, take, take a photo and say, hey, mom, I made it. But that's yeah. not what. what, what yeah. Mom doesn't have about. the money to do that. But it's much more surgical as far as what we do. Yeah. Um, uh, so hot sauce question for you. Uh, in, in North America, what would be your uh, marketing budget annually or monthly? Uh, it's bigger than a bread basket, but something I probably can't disclose yet because we're still working on it. So you're going to make me taste another one right. of these wonderful Let's habanero chutz. So I'm going to, I'm going to level up. I'm going to do a little bit more of a spicy habanero. I think it also has some type of chili in here as well. Level up a little bit. Oh, wait for it. I poured so much in this. I can't drink all of it every time. I still have some in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Cheers. All right, so budget cannot be disclosed. Woo. Yeah, I'm going to take right, a drink. Good. Yeah, I'm going to take a drink too. Good idea. Wow, I can breathe again. Yeah, my sinuses, my sinuses <laughs> <coughs> are opening up. Now, um, so on my on my show, I talk to I talk to a lot of kind of Series A series B founders. Uh, but when it comes to C-suite, we get a lot of enterprise uh, C-suite like yourself. Um, I understand the founder side um, and, and they're that the founders are very busy people. And so when they come out to events, they only expect one thing, which is to connect with other founders for networking opportunities. When it comes to running events for the C-suite and for enterprise, you know this area best. What motivates a C-suite to come out to meet with other C-suite? Uh, are there certain uh, things that they're looking for? Do they, um, maybe I'll just let you answer that question. Yeah, so um, first of all, it's, tri it's always tricky to get C-suites to attend functions, but if it's big enough and it's important enough, they'll be there for maybe a couple of days or a day. So you want to take advantage of that. So when we set up planning for an event, you know, there's three stages. There's pre, there's actual event itself, and then there's a post follow-up. And what we do is we set up a second um, project plan for uh, VIPs. And so these are the people like the C-suite or maybe just below them that we're going to target and we're going to have separate activities with. So for example, uh, if our CEO attends an event, he'll have a private lunch with eight to 10 of them. You don't want it too big because then it's not, doesn't feel special. Uh, getting their feedback, providing them certain types of, of information or content about next generation things that are uh, in the pipeline. You know, anything that we can do that can give them the confidence that we're looking out for their future uh, and we're, we value the input and their perspective as well. Uh, so, again, they're not going to go to your booth. They're not going to, you know, no. get the little trinkets that you give away or the sock. We give fun socks, by the way. We give socks away. <laughs> um, but but what they are looking for is an ability to interact with some of their peers and and also just to kind of share uh, concerns or, or not necessarily insights because they'll never give away what they're up to. But they like to talk about things that are challenges in the marketplace for them. And so we try to create environments for them to be able to do that. That gives them that privacy, if you will. So only only eight to ten. So so you're thinking. So you're saying in order for a VIP event to feel exclusive, eight to ten is a, is the key number. 
No more than I, ten, you know, eight, eight to 10. You, you could get up to 15, 20 people, I imagine. And, and again, it depends on the size of the event and how many actually do attend. Uh, but a lot of times, again, if you want to achieve that level of intimacy for them, uh, you're able to do that. And again, look, it's not just a one-time lunch. We keep our CEO or our executives busy. You know, we're having them host a number of different things. So in maybe eight to 10 CEOs or uh, senior executives for one activity and another eight to 10 for another at that same event. Oh, okay. So for another eight to 10. Yeah, so yeah. Can, so we you can make different groups feel special. Yeah, we exhaust our executive team. Uh, we say, <laughs> okay, you want to go to an event? Yep, fine. You're going to do this, 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 and this. So. So what do you what do you usually do as a, as a CMO? Because you're you're probably like you mentioned a few of the key decision makers group. They don't include CMOs, right? They're more of the CHROs and CFOs, right? Yeah, not typically. I mean, it, CMOs are, could be a target, but they're not an optimal target, I would say, versus somebody like the head of sales, where you got sales performance management issues you're trying to to figure out. Um, right. You know, if I attend an event, I'm either going to be speaking. Or I'm going to make sure that everything that we planned is set up and, it, and it's running in accordance with expectations. I'm going to be meeting with analysts uh, just to make sure that they uh, hear our story and, and am I answering any questions that they have. Uh, and, and sometimes also with partners because they want to know how we're going to work together on a, on a marketing level sometimes. So uh, that keeps me pretty busy as, as well. <clears throat> Sorry, I just had a habanero moment. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. You've been talking. I, I, I've been swallowing the little piece, <laughs> little chunks of habanero. No, this is very interesting because we've had we, we've recorded probably 60 episodes um, in 2023 with uh, C-suites and founders of companies ranging from 50 million all the way up to 600 million dollars in revenue. So all enterprise. And we spend probably 60 percent of our marketing time talking about this specifically which is just building brand through events and community building that seems to be the the biggest trend in 2023 moving over to 2024 do you think it's going to continue do you think this trend is going to continue where this topic is still hot or do you think now people are missing and we're going to go back to webinars like you know 2020 to 2022 uh, you know at the end of the day, it's a balance, right? So when we set up our budgets for um, 2024, we we look at what are the local activities that we need to do. So we allocate a local percentage of budget to our countries that they they have to be able to do the grounds up stuff that is germane just to that country, that's yeah. unique to that country. Then we have a corporate budget that is almost like the air cover, and that can include those big events. Uh, it can include the the campaigns, um, the nurture programs, all of those different things. So for us, again, it's we do an evaluation. So at the end of 23, did an evaluation of, okay, what worked, what didn't, what were our top drivers of leads? What was the quality of the leads? We also try to analyze it on an ideal customer profile level. So we have A plus A and B accounts. And we say, okay, these are the people we really want to be reaching. What percentage of them are we? and what tactics drove that so um look i think webinars will always have a place you can't overwhelm it i think events will always have a place in a marketing plan going forward effective use of paid uh media uh plays an important role yeah. uh and it's and and like i said i think video is becoming more and more and more important uh, as we go forward yeah 
What what percent of your budget uh, of your marketing budget do you think you put towards paid nowadays? Uh that's a great question. It depends. Uh probably like a range. 10 15 percent. Okay. <clears throat> 10-15% paid. What percent events and then what percent towards more of the sales initiatives that you were talking about? It just depends. It depends on which events we uh, choose to participate in that particular year uh, and the cost of the sponsorship. So it's it's a variable. And at the top of my head, I'm not sure what the allocation is for 24. Um, yeah. You know, because we, yeah. we don't want to go just to go. Sometimes you have to be, you have to think defensive periodically because if all the, the cousins are going to be there and all the Smiths and Jones, yeah. You, you almost think, well, we have to be there, but that's not an effective strategy. So we're trying to go where we can make a major impact. Uh, and like I said, the target audience is, is absolutely up our alley in terms of who we want to reach. Yeah. Sometimes it's almost better to not go to those big events where the Smiths and Jones are all there because you're just one of a thousand other big brands. Uh, whereas if you just do it on a, ran uh, on a random Tuesday where you can bring out some, some big hitter C-suites. Um, those are almost more memorable. Yeah. What are your thoughts and, on that? And, well, and that's exactly right. And that's why if we do go to the big ones, we try to have events within an event, like I said, where we'll yeah. do the smaller intimate things or we'll sponsor something where we can get people just to us. Um, and that's also why we do our own events. We call them Board Beyond. Uh, and Board and Beyond. that gives yeah. us a platform you know, that we control. And it allows us to find the right mix in terms of going to those big things. And when I talk about them, it's probably less than 10 globally, because like you said, mm. a lot of them, you're yeah. just a face in a crowd. It's a where's Waldo moment and, and yeah. you're not going to be effective, you know? Yeah. And tough to stand out when you're wearing a blue shirt uh, as, as Waldo as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you run these board beyond uh, events, um, how many people usually come to these ones? Quite a few. Um, I'll cite Paris last year. I think we had uh, 500 people in attendance. Uh, Holy smokes! We were we were at the Petit Palais in uh, museum in in you know in Paris, and uh, we had an overflow, so we had to put them downstairs in the uh, amphitheater or the little theater, excuse me, uh, downstairs. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and a successful board beyond event is when we have partnered effectively with our local partner uh, network and they're inviting their customers and prospects. We're inviting customers and prospects. Um, and we have a very robust agenda. It's not just board up there talking about the wonders of the board platform and our software, uh, yeah. but it's really putting that mix together. Uh, and, and so we get very good attendance at those. And, and like I said, they're great ways to be able to network and interact with your existing customers, but also prospects and partners. Yeah. Uh, how, how much money w would something like that cost? Like that sounds like a very expensive event. Well, it, again, it, a lot of variables come into play. So for example, in France, uh, we were still trying to build the brand. And, um, so we had high impact, uh, locations for things that we wanted to do in 2024. It's not as important because we've really grown tremendously in, in uh, the country of France. But for example, we also did a partner event in, um, in France last year at the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
great brand recognition to be associated with the Eiffel Tower. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly, not as expensive as you might think. But but again, doing high profile things like those locations gave us some gravitas that we were seeking, you know, in terms yeah. of the brand and that, yeah, we're a big deal in, in France. So come see us, come hear us, come talk to us. And so it depends on, like I said, the maturity of the market for us uh, and what type of impact we're trying to get. That will help influence sometimes where we end up doing it. We're always trying to find the best price point. But, yeah. um, you know, some places aren't as <clears throat> flexible as others in terms of negotiations. Yeah, I've, I've heard of similar type events, similar, like probably a th at a thousand attendees in New York, in like Madison Square, like around that area, go for like 750K USD for an event. Yeah, um, I would never approve that cost for anyone. So no? not, not, in, <laughs> not anywhere close to that. Yeah. Um, so, so, so your, your events are probably like more budget friendly, 200 K kind of thing. But, yeah. I, you can you know, get your hot sauce out. Cause I'm not going to give you an exact number. Uh, what I'll say <laughs> is that we're always trying to negotiate the best deal, uh, possible, uh, in terms of the site, the AV, everything, anything and everything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that going to make me right. drink? Sorry, Sophie, I couldn't get the answer. All right, all right, all right. okay, all right. We're gonna we'll we'll do we'll do a shot of hot sauce for that. That was a good try, but I wasn't gonna give you that. <laughs> all right. You Cheers. know, my my wife's gonna say, "What the heck happened to all the hot sauce?" Yeah, didn't you just buy this yesterday? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. No, but that's really exciting, and it sounds like you've. Um, you like many of the, um, the excellent brands out there that do a really good job running events, you got the right idea. Um, you, you obviously you try to keep the, the cost low, right? That's a huge thing. You, you, you can, you can spend 700 K 800 K in a drop of a bucket easily. Right. But, but if you want, if you want to be able to run these events more and create more impact throughout the year, you want to try to reduce the cost. So that's, that, that's, that's huge. Um, before we move on to uh, to a different topic, uh, any any last tips, like a number one tip that you would give to anyone who wants to run events of your size to target these founders or like C-suite level? Like what what would what would you say? Like is the number one tip to to do it well? Well, I mean, I think I think you have to always. <laughs> You know, marketing folks love five syllable words and um, kind of refrigerator magnet poetry. Uh, we just love that it sounds wonderful, but it's meaningless to people. So I always try to step outside of the role I have today and become the opposite side of it and say, OK, how do I want someone to reach out to me? How do I want them to engage with me? Yeah. And, and if I had to give a tip, I would say just be be a normal person when you're thinking about what's important to these folks, because they're all normal people. Well, mostly. And so I think it's important just to have that context whenever you're doing marketing programs, uh, you know, whatever the context, whether it's an event or anything else. Exactly. That, 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 that's such a good tip. Um, the channels will always change, like whether using, Snapchat to reach out or Instagram or TikTok or the channels will always change because the way we use technology will always change. But at the end of the day, your messaging, how you talk to the other person at the, at, yeah. at the other side, how you get them to pay attention. You got to know that. 
we actually send out a little note to folks on the team. And we say, remember to use human speak, uh, you know, because again, as marketers, we do, we get enthralled with saying fancy words and, and they yeah. don't mean anything to the buyer sometimes. So useless, um, useless. Well, uh, now that we, okay, let's, let's wrap up this, this part. Um, I think there were, so, uh, so we talked about a lot of different channels. If you were to say your, your number one channel out of all the channels we talked about events, videos, sales enablement, you, you mentioned a, a, a webinars as well. What is the number one best performing channel? Well, the, like number one, the number one best performing lead generator is none of them. It's actually demos. And because yeah. now we drive people to them with certain things, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, people want to look, touch, see, feel. How does it work? How would it work for me? You know, and so being able to do demos and eventually get to a proof of concept with people, um, you look at the close percentages for those, it's typically much higher than, than other things. And so, and, and, and it's never a one touch attribution. It's always multi-touch, right? Always. Uh, but the driver that gets to the, you know, the sale ultimately, or is a key component is being able to demo for them, uh, how the, how the, the platform and the software work. What has been your guys' secret power? And uh, do you do you have like a close percentage, like a demo to close percentage that you can share? No. <laughs> Got another one. Um, okay, so so we'll before we before we take the shot. Um, any any tips like people are listening that are like, oh, we 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 want to be able to. Cl close more demos as well. Do you have any tips that you would give like that, that works well, well for board international? I mean, make it pervasive. So obviously your website is a, is a big driver. Have a good chat capability on your website. Um, we made a switch from a one company to another, and I'm not going to name names, but night and day in terms of the difference, because what we have now will connect them directly to a demo, correct to an appointment, connect to a, a BDR. Um, mm -hmm. and able to log so much more information. So your ability to get it to someone easily, you know, the, the one question you should always ask is, are we making it easy to have a relationship with us, whether it's in the dating stage or the marriage stage, right? Yep. And so yep. Yep. this is early on dating and you want to make it as easily as easy as possible for them to go from point A to point B. And so it's really understanding that. And then within your demo itself, everybody says they know technology, but it's like this deep, this wide. So you also have to have technology that's intuitive and easy to understand. So there's several parts to it as far as a tip. Make sure your technology is good, but also yeah. make it very easy for them to get to that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was connecting with a, a founder recently and uh, they said a, a, one thing that, um, like I think they just recently raised their... Uh, their series a when within the last 12 months and one thing that they've been doing helping other enterprise companies do is they uh, allow not just chat on their website but instant video access you can talk to someone just via video yeah. like instant um <clears throat> so doing things like this to make it easier to connect like you just said um super super important and i would say yeah. the last piece of it is 
at the beginning, you have to give the potential buyer the feeling that they have the control. Because what do you hate? Well, I, I know what I hate. When I go to buy clothes or a car dealership, I hate it when somebody's hovering over me. And we yeah. have to take that and extrapolate it to what we do, right? So give them the control until they're ready to interact. So again, and that, that involves technology a, a ton. Yeah. Reducing friction, right? Like let them test out the software. Yeah. Let, let, let them <clears throat> get their own answers without having to feel the friction with a salesperson or with, with someone else and just let them play around. And you can have assessments online. You can use things that'll help drive them toward that. Let them make the decision though. Say, okay, now I'm ready to talk. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. Uh, all right. So, uh, talking to, talking about just 2024, uh, obviously there were a lot of trends in 2023 AI being the biggest one. And now there's a lot more happening like Google Gemini recently. I don't, have you heard of Google yeah. Gemini? Just, just Thought, saw that recently. Thoughts on that. Is that going to be a trend in 2024 or do you have any other, any other predictions or things that you that think will happen in 2024? Here's what, here's what I think is going to happen. Uh, you know, the talk around AI reminded me of big data several years back. It became yeah. a thing and everybody talked about it, but nobody really knew how to harness it uh, effectively. Mm. And I think we were in a stage in 2023 where AI was very topical, uh, mm -hmm. but people mm -hmm. still hadn't figured out how to completely harness it. <clears throat> so I think what's going to happen in 24 is you'll start to see much more tangible uses of uh, AI and even regenerative analytics, you know, uh, especially as it relates to our industry. <clears throat> and that's going to be important because again, AI used effectively uh, really creates efficiencies and can be magical. You know, we're, we're kind of, we're a little wild, wild west-ish with things when they first come out. People try things and it gets goes off the rails. Um, so I think that's really, you take something that everybody is a buzz about and then it becomes more tangible. And that's what I think 24 has an opportunity for AI. And as I said, analytics, regenerative analytics, and as it relates to planning and being able to do predictive type of things, you know, that's gonna be important mm. for us. Yeah, that, I, I, I totally agree. I mean. AI was just such a buzzword, uh, right? <laughs> to the point where most of the most of the companies that were raising VC funds, uh, they were all AI. Like everyone started adding AI to their name, oh, yeah, you know, just just to just so they have a better shot at raising money. So, um, <clears throat> well, and, and just very quickly, an effective use of AI. So, so the new it sounds weird saying that, but the new Beatles song wouldn't have been possible without AI. Because I guess the original yes. recording, the, the piano and the voice was so stuck together, they couldn't separate it. Well, Peter Jackson was able to come up with technology using AI to separate them. And voila, a new Beatles song, you know, from way, way long ago. Yeah, so that's pretty that's cool. That's crazy. You know, that's a great use of AI right there. Yeah, no, no, that's crazy. Um... Do you have, okay, so that's talking, we just talked a lot about about the benefits of AI. Do you have any fears of AI? Like ChatGPT, like you heard about uh, like two months ago, there's uh, the AI CEO that will make decisions. Are you, do you have fears about C-suite being replaced for certain no. functions? Like any any fears of, of AI at all? 
I mean, I haven't been to the movies lately. I'm sure if I went to one about AI, I'd come away panicked because there's probably going to be one made about that. But no, I think, look, like we had um, at one of our events last year, we had Microsoft come and speak about chat. And, and uh, we, we've done some, some work in that area as well. And, and again, I think the, the, the biggest risk is that people don't have governance around how certain technologies should be used. Um, and, and, you know, some of that's beyond our pay grades in terms of there needs probably some type of, yep. I don't want to say governmental restrictions because that sounds wrong, but something like that that's able to control how we're able to use that kind of technology. Um, I, I think it's going to be wonderful to be able to create more efficiencies in areas where it's applicable, but you don't want it doing things where you still need the human element involved. Yeah. I mean, once you give that power away, though, it, it'll be scary because because at the end of the day, it's still humans doing business and commerce with other humans. It's not once we get to the point where it's AI doing business with AI, then it's like, OK, well, we're screwed at that, at yeah. that point because then yeah. the money will not be in our control anymore. So, yeah, it could get pretty dark, but I agree with you. I think I, I don't think we're going to let that happen. Um, and it, right now it's it's more like a tool that can allow us to do things faster and better. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's it's the this decade's version of Moore's law, which was way back when. Right. You know, in terms of how technology just multiplies efficiency. So, yeah, that would that would change. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so we, we typically what we typically do right now, because we're at the 50, almost 50 minute mark. We we have this uh, we had this new segment called. Um, uh, the joke segment. And so we started this well, a few months ago. I'm going to try to make you laugh with two dad jokes and I'll try to keep them marketing related. Uh, if you can successfully not laugh, which I think you look like you have a pretty good poker face, I'll take a shot of hot sauce. And then if you do laugh, then you'll take a shot of hot sauce. Two All questions, right. uh, two jokes. All right. I'll give, I'll give them to you. Let's see. Hmm. All right. Um, first one. First one. Uh, why should you wear glasses in math class? Don't know. Because it helps with division. Wow, that was that was rough. that was freaking that was rough. That was yeah. that was horrible. I, who put this here? This is a horrible, this is a horrible joke. Um, <clears throat> all right. What what did the janitor say uh, when he jumped out of the closet? No idea. Supplies. Oh God, that's so bad. <laughs> and and I appreciate the. The acting that went along with it, but yeah, you got to drink. <laughs> All right. I'll drink for this one. I'll drink for this one. Although I may right. use one of those sometimes. Cheers. Cheers. Not, don't use the first one. The first one was horrible. No, the first know. one was bad. The second one yeah, was pretty first good. One, first one was, the, yeah, second one was decent, but it didn't get you. Um, all right. Uh, we've made it all the way through here, 50 minutes in. For the one people that are still listening, they're probably curious about your past and just about you as a person. 
less about board, although board is interesting, but about you and your past. Um, tell us, tell us a little bit about what life was like for you, like baby Mark, kind of growing up and teenager Mark. Like, did you like? Did you have? Did you know you were gonna get into business and C-suite and marketing and all that, or did you have other things that you were kind of passionate about? No, you know, I, I was a sports junkie when I was growing up. So I played baseball, basketball, and football in, um, from when I was a peewee up through high school, uh, graduating. And I actually played baseball in college, but I also played a musical instrument. So I had a very busy, uh, childhood because I played those three sports. Plus I was in concert band, jazz band, marching band. And so, you know, I was pretty busy. Uh, growing up, I missed a lot of family vacations because I was on traveling teams or something. Wow. Um, so for me, I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. That's what I wanted to be. Um, I got drafted out of high school, but I was at the very bottom of the draft, so I wasn't going to sign. Uh, wow. So I went to college to play basketball. I tore my rotator cuff. Um, but I always liked school, and I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I actually started in pre-law, ended up as, in marketing. And, um, you know, marketing is a great career path uh, because you do truly get to combine data with creativity. And mm. at the end of the day, there aren't too many jobs where you can do that. And, and so for me, it's been very satisfying. So what, what was your, uh, what was your uh, first of all, what, what was your uh, team growing up? Oh, I was, your... uh, well, which sport? Uh, for, for baseball. I was and have always been a Baltimore Orioles fan. And we were good, and then we were really bad for a really long time, and now we're good again. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm optimistic for the future. So you're still you're still a Baltimore, uh, Baltimore. Always will be. Yep, always okay. will always be. Always will be. Okay, basketball. You said ba- you also played basketball growing up. Are you? Uh, I played basketball. I played basketball. Um, you know. I mean, I'm 5'11". Back then, it was considered pretty average height. Now, I'd probably be short when I was playing, you know, uh, if I was trying to play. Uh, but my favorite team is actually the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, okay. It's, okay, that's still the East Coast, I guess. No, it's uh, Midwest. Wait, Milwaukee? In Wisconsin, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. What am I talking about? Um, and why? Why is that? Just because because of Giannis, or have you always? Yeah, been I, I like the, I like Giannis. I like the makeup of their team. Uh, I like the fact that it's kind of a smaller city and it's competing against the big boys effectively. You know, just stuff like that. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and and for you, I mean, we talked a little bit about trends for twenty twenty four. Um, but do you have any like personal goals or things things that you want to learn or, 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 you know, in, in 2024? Uh, you know, I think, uh, at this point, um, it's really trying to make sure we develop the team. We made great strides in 23 and, uh, I think we have a really solid team and, and just continuing to build on, on the achievements that we did for me. I like to learn like everyone. I mean, I, you know, just participating in things like this and listening to your podcast, you know, you pick up ideas. Uh, so I appreciate people like you that do these things. Um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest thing I want is for my golf game to get better, but that's not really Ooh. anything to do with marketing. So <laughs> how long have you been playing golf for? I haven't playing golf since, um, since high school. Okay. So, so 
a few years. You've a been few years, yeah. For a few yeah. years. How, how are you doing now? If you don't, if, if you don't have to share it, this might be a hot no, sauce question. No, no, I look, hey, I've got one hole in one in my life, but it was in a pro-am. It was in a pro-am. Oh, so people yeah. were watching. In Hawaii. So that oh. was very cool. Yeah. Um, haven't come close since then. Um, but when I was playing really well, I was about a 12 handicap. I'm not a 12 wow. handicap today. And so I just need to work on my game. Okay. Wow. Um, maybe, maybe do like a, a, a board beyond oh, yeah. golf tournament. We'll, Have we'll you guys done many? That. Have you guys done many of those? No, but uh, I don't don't think that I haven't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure C-suites would fly. They would fly out, right? Like C-suites oh, would yeah. fly out to go out and play golf, you know, around a couple of rounds, maybe like one in the morning, one in the afternoon kind of thing and just play play the sport that they love and also network with other C-suites. I think that's I, You know, it, and the demographic has changed, but it doesn't matter. Everyone loves golf and they love to play golf. So whether it's man, woman, um, it, you know, everybody wants to play golf and, and enjoys it. And so uh, it is a great vehicle to be able to get somebody out in a relaxed atmosphere and not put a lot of pressure on them, but they know why they're there and why you're yeah. inviting them. So, yeah. 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 I mean, th that could be something that, that could be something um, for 20, for 2024. Well, Mark, uh, I only have one last question for you before we, before we wrap up. Um, and this is really to, so I can take another shot of hot sauce with you. Uh, cause I don't think you're gonna, unless, unless you surprise me and answer this question, but, uh, you know, one year in you're, you're working for a big company and, uh, and you, you know, enterprise sales and all that stuff. What can someone, uh, that works in a position like you expect in terms of salary? Like what's the, what's the salary of a CMO like yourself? Uh, I, I can't answer that. Uh, I think. I think that it depends on the company and all kinds of other things. So, uh. that is the best answer that we can ask for. Uh, cheers. We'll do yeah. one last one. All right. Um, let me, let me pour in here. Yeah. All right. This was fun. It was this fun. Is, uh, this is actually my first one since the last time we spoke, I, I went away for my brother's, uh, wedding. Uh, so I've haven't recorded anything since then. So, I'm rusty with the hot sauce. Cheers. Here's to 24. 2024. All right. Before, um, as we're wrapping up, um, what's the best way for people to follow along, I guess, your own personal journey? Because uh, you, know, you have a LinkedIn account. Um, you're also pretty active in the, in the networking scene. How can people follow along your uh, professional journey? I, I mean, I do it through our board LinkedIn account and, and maybe mine. Uh, my wife is the uh, social media person in the family, so I tend to not post mm. as much as she does. But on a business level, yeah, certainly uh, LinkedIn is where to find me. Yeah, yeah. I, I find I find it still, yeah, LinkedIn is still my number one channel. I, 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 I see a trend when people are pretty active in business, they tend to do less with the personal posting. Yeah. Um, do you see well, that with most of the C-suites, your friends? I, I can only speak for myself, but you know, you're in such a public uh, environment through your work. You just want to be left alone almost, or just 
when you're yeah. off hours. And that's, that's kind of the way I've always been. So I don't post much yeah, socially, yeah. personally. Yeah. Well, um, Mark, thanks for jumping on. This was uh, a ton of fun. I'm, I'm glad we got to see your, your hot sauce skills that your father <laughs> passed along to you. Uh, all the best in 2024. I know 2023 was also a, a really good year for you. All the best for 2024. And hopefully we'll do this again. Round two. Level up. Well, space. thank you. It's been a pleasure. I need to take another drink. <laughs> all right. Cheers. See you. Well, guys, that's it for another spicy episode of Marketing on Mars. I'm really not sure who got burned more, my taste buds or the guest taste buds. My mouth is on fire. Real talk though, if you're not already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Each episode I make is basically an unedited raw dinner with some of the leading marketing voices. We've got a bunch of CEOs, founders, and CMOs lined up to face the hot sauce challenge. They tell us the truth or they take a shot of hot sauce. We're on almost every single platform, Spotify, Apple, podcast youtube tiktok instagram and more there's really no excuse until next time martians keep it hot and keep it real